So right now, Sonia's in a theta brainwave state and she's super, super chill and she likes to live from this place, right? I do like this place and it actually takes me work to step into beta though. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So what do you do to step into beta? Well, I do my brain tap in the morning mm -hmm. and I do my motivation um, meditation in there to get me going for the day. So that's one of my Strategies. Yeah. strategies yeah you know it's funny you know in this in this discussion that we're having today or that you're about to listen to is really appreciating the fact that our brain is is an orchestra of many different frequencies and that many times our behavior will match the, that mm -hmm. frequency the electrical input or the frequency of the brain and we're not looking there often we're looking at you know maybe our emotional trauma we're looking at our behaviors looking at the food and all of these things obviously all are influential in how our brain operates but really this this discussion is is understanding these different brainwave states maybe what we can do about it and what they mean for us and 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 this change in this paradigm that our brains can actually heal and it's mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be normal that we forget things. It doesn't have to be normal that we're always tired or we have insomnia or where we keep brain making fog. brain fog or maybe we're making bad decisions about our diet. What if we look through the lens of, of the brain and the mm -hmm. brainwave activity? Yeah, yeah, and just looking at it from an everyday perspective of the different triggers that can trigger the different wavelengths, um, the difference between men and women we discuss also. So it's a really good podcast to tune into to get to understand what's the one thing that you can do today to help support your brain. Mm -hmm. So tune in, let us know. And uh, Sonia has a little cry in the middle. Um, She's, she moves herself really into a deep place where she shares a memory, which is really beautiful. So tune in and let us know what you think and uh, happy, happy brains to everybody. So being parents, doctors, business owners, doing all the things in life, uh, we got to make sure that this, this thing on top of our shoulders is working well, the brain, mm -hmm. right? Yes, the brain, it encompasses so much and is influenced by so much and influences so much. And one thing that it really influences is the gut and the gut itself will also influence the brain. So we definitely know that that's one area in our body that we always have to be working on. Yeah, and what we find from you know uh, microbiome testing is that so many people are struggling with massive dysbiosis and balances in the bacteria. And then when we have certain strains that are really upregulated, we're stuck more in that chronic state of inflammation, which is going to influence the neurotransmitters and basically your brain activity. Mm -hmm. So we found an amazing product uh, from through a company called Bioptimizers called Cognibiotic. And why don't you share a little bit about what it's done for you? Yeah, the first time I took it, I felt amazing instantly. It was one of those things where like, oh, my brain is waking up a little bit. And, you know, I will share on here that I've had some gut challenges in the past. And this has been the one product that helps support not only my nervous system, but also my gut. And it's one that I share with all my patients now. Yeah, so let's let's show them. So yeah, it's Cognibiotic by Biooptimizers. And it's just such a great mood enhancing product that you do instantly feel that shift right yeah. away. It just shows the connection and the power between the microbes mm -hmm. and how much influence they have over our psychology or emotionology or our, our cognitive behavior, you know, so much happens as a result of the makeup of the microbes. Yeah, it helps you move through your day in such a way that you're actually feeling calm and you don't have to be reactive. And especially when you have kids and you're running a business and doing all these things, like Nick was saying in the beginning, we really need to step up our game when it comes to our brain and our gut health. Yeah, so check it out at www.bioptimizers.com and you can use the discount code Dr. Nick for a, an awesome discount. So check it out. 
Welcome to the Health Ignited Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Nick and Sonia Jensen. We are partners, parents, business partners, doctors, yoga teachers, and retreat leaders. We promise to bring you real conversations to awaken and ignite your potential to live your best life possible. Join us each week as we dive into topics varying from brain health, biohacking, hormones, and longevity, to relationships, parenting, meditation, and more. Together, creating community and building stronger foundations for the generations to come. Well, happy uh, Monday. It is Monday and it's May and the weather outside is rainy or it's windy or it's cloudy, sometimes it's sunny, but there's a whole lot of change going on. And uh, I keep thinking that spring or summer must be around the corner somewhere, but... Or we may just skip it and go straight to fall. Go straight to fall. Well, what we're... (laughs) Right now. (laughs) I, I, I usually ask, how are you doing today? And, you know, I think it's just interesting. There's so much a variation in our in our weather patterns. And we're going to talk about some variation in our brain patterns. Right. You so know. There, there wasn't really a lot of variation in our introduction. So I asked for a little bit more of that today. Yeah. It's a, Keeps a, the, the brain active. Yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to keep Sonia on her toes. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it works. So obviously, these conversations that we have are all about highlighting uh, maybe some some areas in your in your health and your lifestyle that, that need some support, need some work, or maybe just some curiosity. And so it's some attention you can put towards, you know, making your health a priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What do you want to say? I'm just listening today. <laughs> Oh, you're funny. So we're, we were going to talk about uh, brainwave states and we do a lot of brain. The, the reason we want to bring this up is, is that the brain is such a fascinating area of the body and the brain health kind of just got shoved into my lap a little bit um, because I, d- I really didn't know a whole lot about it other than uh, obviously I studied it in school and I know that it looks like a convoluted like mass and mm. it's pink and it's like weighs about eight pounds because that's what the little kid in Jeremy Maguire because I've seen one yeah it's kind of grayish right uh yeah well I guess maybe I saw one that wasn't like in a body right so, so maybe, there you go. maybe it is pink when, yeah <laughs> when there's blood flowing but we know from Jerry Maguire that the human head weighs about eight pounds mm-hmm. right the little guy remember him mm-hmm. and so some of that weight or most of that weight is actually your brain yes and we definitely notice this with our youngest son because he had a big head. He had a big, big head brain. and he fell down a lot. Mm-hmm. And so concussions and, and uh, brain health are super important. But anyways, going back to the story of how the brain health sort of got thrust upon me is my mom had a stroke about seven, eight years ago. Um, eight years. Eight years ago. Mm-hmm. And I really didn't, we, we, you know, in the naturopathic tool bag, you know, obviously there's a lot of things you can do for brain health from dietary things to, you know, there's a lot of influences in our environment that affect brain health, you know, from the foods we choose from heavy metals to maybe in like dental procedures, uh, you know, off gassing of, of silver fillings into the brain. Um, you know, obviously we mentioned like sports and head injuries, but really like I didn't have any technology. I didn't really have any way of measuring. And it was always like, you know, when my mom was going through her early recovery period, they were doing a ton of scans on her and they were finding whether or not her brain was uh, seizing. And, and so there's a lot of, you know, electrical insight, um, you know, in the conventional model, there is an incredible amount of data that can be gathered, mm-hmm. but, the, but it didn't always translate into a functional model. 
which which I think is super interesting because if we can just state what something is like what something whether or not it's wrong or is good or bad um, but what about like how can we enhance performance and I think that that's a super interesting question to ask mm -hmm. and it can also we can track progress from a functional point of view as well and so um, you know, we had the opportunity to, to bring in a brain mapping device into our clinic and, and where we run neurofeedback. And it's been such an interesting journey to, to measure people's brains and find out where they're stuck. Because often, like, we've got the story. We talk, you know, you talk yeah. a ton about trauma and emotions, and the hormones and all these things. And when we can get insight into the neurological activity of the brain, it just adds a whole nother layer of information that, that makes things very relevant. And I think there's something that we were conditioned to all believe that as we age, as neurons start to die, we can't recreate them or we can't undo old patterns and create new ones. But we're just there's just so much more understanding now about neuroplasticity and the fact that we can heal our brain, that I think there is more talk about brain health now because there's just a deeper understanding that we can create this other functional model that will optimize our brain health. And we don't have to think that as soon as we hit age of 40, that it's, you know, of course, we're going to have brain fog, of course, we're going to have memory um, loss and all these things that doesn't have to happen anymore. We don't have to say, of course, it's more like, well, if that is happening, what's causing it? And how can I support my body and my brain to change that outcome? Because I can change it. Yeah, that's so interesting, Sonia. I mean, there's so many things that that are just a part of a paradigm, mm -hmm. and a, a way of understanding and, and then we just collectively okay, well, that's the way things are, you know, and then it takes some really interesting individuals to start asking more questions. And, and then eventually it trickles down into, you know, the doctor's office. And then it trickles down into, you know, biohacking has really been a mm -hmm. huge part of this awakening on the collective level, you know, um, from a personal, you know, responsibility, but also personal uh, authority over their body and trying to overcome the environment and, and how to optimize your sort of surrounding environment in order to get more, mm -hmm. uh, better performance, you know, better energy, better, better health in general. And so mm -hmm. I, th I think that the paradigm shift is continuously shifting. That's giving more power to the individual. Yeah. And also more understanding of like what connects to it in a sense that what's influencing, like you were talking about in the beginning, our external environment when there's like toxins and stresses and traumas, but then also the gut. So we now understand that there's, there's a gut brain connection and the gut really is our second brain. So there's so much more that we still have to learn and so much more that we are learning so that we can take back that control. Because we know the brain's important. We know the nervous system is everything and it influences every aspect of us but we never really understood what was influencing it and how we can control that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the, the concept of neuroplasticity, like maybe you describe that, you know, what's actually happening in the brain, you know, to, to our understanding, we're not neural, uh, neurosurgeons where, you know, we're not, <laughs> she just hit me. Are you, are you, a, are you a neurosurgeon? No, I want you to talk about this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, there's there's things going on <laughs> down underneath the table that you just have no idea about and that was one of them she just hit me okay now so you're giving them different weird ideas <laughs> <laughs> it's not a weird idea I mean, you hit me with your leg yeah so i wonder if we should just edit this part out <laughs> maybe okay back on track mm -hmm. sonia wants me to talk about uh neuroplasticity to to my level of understanding it uh when we're learning something new, 
but all the little dendrites, all the little connections in our brain are actually, you know, they're constantly growing. They're constant uh, state of flux. Because they're, of estrogen. Oh, because of estrogen. And I'm sure some of the other hormones play a role too. And, uh, but there are really estrogen. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I don't know if anyone's going to get any value out of this conversation <laughs> today. Let's, let's hope they do. Um, so estrogen is a really important factor in neurogenesis. Okay. In case you guys didn't know there's, there's other little factors. There's something called brain drive neurotropic factor, which gets upregulated with exercise and like learning a music, uh, a new instrument or learning Fasting. a new language what fasting, fasting. Mm -hmm. uh yeah the hormetic responses you know uh, a stress in the environment which then forces a change there i can't remember which uh i saw a video uh, of of the brain moving when you're breathing like there was this really fascinating look at, at, at just how much uh how much the brain moves like you think of this structure sitting inside your skull and it's just kind of it's just kind of there doing its thing it's all electrical in nature but there's a whole like mechanical movement aspect that's happening inside the brain too and i'm sure people could youtube this just just look up brain moving while breathing and you know you think of like different breath exercises that we would do or postures or yoga again exercise a lot of our movements are actually going to have these internal movements. Mm -hmm. Now, re the reason I think that's important is because any stimulus in the body, whether it be learning something new or doing the fasting, uh, get, getting better sleep at night, you know, taking nutrition that's really supportive for regrowing the nervous system and creating connections like the fatty acids and the antioxidants and the amino acids and all these little things are constantly supporting this neurogenesis. And especially the, the variation piece that we talk about, whether it's with what you're learning, diet, all the things um, are also going to increase those connections because when we just create that one pattern and that's the pattern that we get stuck on, even if it's a belief or a thought or a routine and what I'm making every night, you know, or for, you know, Taco Tuesdays. So the brain kind of gets stuck in these routines and every time we do increase that, stress and quotation marks were increasing the brain's capacity to grow and learn and understand and also develop these new pathways for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's fascinating. And when you think of like some of the, the bigger illnesses that, that we're being faced with, especially in, in the brain, you know, we know that Alzheimer's dementia is massively on the rise. Mm -hmm. um, we know that there's more and more people with traumatic brain injury. Uh, I mean, tons of people with chronic headaches and using medications to suppress the symptoms of headaches. Um, there's neuro neurological and neurodevelopmental issues that are showing up for people from autism to ADHD. Um, what are some other things affecting the, obviously the strokes and things like that? So the, mm -hmm. um, there's a huge amount of awareness and insight that's going into the brain. And, and it's not that, you know, I, I don't, I don't come from the perspective. We just have to be stuck in fear and like, just hope that hope for the best, but we can actually be super proactive with our brains. If we could find out some ways to assess the brain mm -hmm. function a little bit more clearly. And I think some of us might think, well, that's not going to happen to me. Mm. Right. But if you have had any experience of even a little bit of brain fog, that it's already happening. If you met somebody and then can't recall their name, or you put your keys somewhere and can't find them, but you know, it was just a few minutes ago that you put them somewhere. There's elements of that already happening. So you're already receiving these signs that something in my environment internally or externally needs to change. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I wonder how many people actually stop and think about that, or if they just go like, Oh, it's frustrating that I can't remember that stuff. Well, I think that myth around aging that this yeah. is supposed to happen. Oh, I'm just getting old or some, you know, there's always a dialogue or that belief that we have, and then it gets dismissed and it isn't until, you know, it's really challenging that we actually bring it up. Yeah. And that's part of that paradigm shift that we talked about yeah. at the beginning, you know, where we, we just think things are a certain way. And definitely one of those paradigms yeah. is, this is just what happens when we get older. We, we, we stop creating new neuro, neuronal connections. We stop learning. We get really stuck in our routines. We become more sedentary. We eat the same food all the time. And so our brain isn't really being challenged to, to, to grow and to stimulate, but that's a total paradigm mm-hmm. breaking opportunity. Everybody tune yeah. in. So how do we um, quantitative qualitative ways of figuring out what's going on in the brain? Yeah. Do you want to answer that one? Or no. Are you going to hit me under the table again? <laughs> uh, so yeah, what, what we do in our clinic is uh, we use a device that actually where people put on this cap, it's a 12 lead cap that's monitoring different parts of the brain from the frontal to the central, the parietal, temporal, uh, parietal, sorry, back here. And then we've got the occipital zone. And so these um, six different zones with uh sort of needle points on, on, on both sides. So it's a 12 lead um, cap where we then um, inject something called electrogel, which creates this uh, barrier to conduct electrical current. And then we can actually read brain activity on the computer. It's fascinating. So when we first did my mom's uh, brain map, the area where she had the, the, the hemorrhage and the, and the injury was literally like a, a zone that was stuck in a, in a trauma from an electrical point of view. So mm-hmm. it was, it was really that real massive connection where I saw like, wow, this thing's like literally picking a, 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 a true traumatic, physical traumatic injury that's, mm-hmm. that's reading on, on, on the map. Mm-hmm. You should tell them about ours like, compared to each other's. I was kind of thinking this question would come up. So we, we mapped both of our brains. If you could guess, maybe you can put it in the comments below. Who do you think got a better score? Um, it wasn't me. I, I did not get the better score. Sonia got like eight out of 10 and, and I got like five or six out of 10. So what this is, is it's an overall, co- she's so proud of herself. <laughs> Just look at the smile. It's an overall cognitive assessment. It doesn't mean how smart you are, but it's basically how much freedom or how much electrical output or potential output you have in your brain. So I'm curious if there's any studies with brain mapping comparing men and women, because women can use both sides of the hemisphere at the same time, whereas men don't. So I wonder if that plays a role. So I I don't know if, if women can only or... I'd, I'd have to see that because I mean, when, let me give an example. It's in my book. Okay. So let me give an example. When we have the, the brain mapping device on the head, mm-hmm. whether or not there's a man and a woman, we're still seeing electrical activity on both sides of the brain. I think it's the communication. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. So women have a, a, a more efficient, um, what's that called again, cross-lateral, or there's, there's more efficient communication across yes. the hemispheres. That's amazing. Inter- I think, it, I think on our, on our brain mapping device, it's called interconnectivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so maybe women have a higher, yeah, I, so I, I'd be curious to see like all the women that yeah. you tested and men to yeah. see if that is it's telling. Totally. Yeah. That would be interesting. Mm-hmm. There, there is actually another pattern that does show up with anxiety and depression is that 
that's just called a bilateral assessment where one side of the brain is more dominant in depression and one side is more dominant uh, in, in anxiety. And so I, from what I remember, it's if you're more, if, if the right side of your brain is really activated and stuck in a, in a stronger, what's called a Delta rhythm, they're more prone to anxiety when it's stuck in your left side, it's more prone to, to depression. And I think I got that right. Anyways, um, that's interesting because you can see a dominance on one side versus the, uh, you know, from the right to the left. The other thing that we see in the brain, in the neurofeedback is that often when, when we're trying to retrain these rhythms into a more balanced state, the, the brain on one side can then left versus right can literally be showing up in totally different electrical patterns. So there's still activity going on. So to your point, mm-hmm. you know, it takes a bit of time for them to actually coordinate their efforts. So they're doing mm-hmm. the same thing. Yeah. So that, that's interesting, mm-hmm. but let's get into the different uh, brain waves mm-hmm. because all of those play a different role in our, in, and I'll tell you what, most people that we see that they come in for brain mapping, whether it's anxiety, depression, or post-concussion or traumatic brain injury or insomnia or hormonal issues or behavioral challenges, you know, whatever it may be, there's some common themes that show up in the brain. And one of the most common one is the prefrontal cortex, the executive functioning of the brain, where we make a lot of our higher decisions. It's the most evolved part of the brain. Mm-hmm. This one's often stuck in a sleep state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting because that brain starts to develop when we're young, but isn't fully developed until we're about 25. And there's so much that happens up until that age. So I wonder if like the different traumas and experiences have purposefully shut that part of us down so that we are then stuck in that emotional body in that back brain that hind brain because we can't even access that frontal brain that actually teaches us about impulsivity or decision making and being able to really recognize right and wrong and we just can't be there when we're stuck in that state of trauma yeah even like on a personality level Mm -hmm. you know I, i i find it very interesting actually that often when people you know for all the different reasons why they start to display symptoms of, you know, PTSD or anxiety or depression or what, the mixed bag of different emotional paradigms that they find themselves stuck in, that, that the personality really comes back when we start to retrain the brain uh, mm-hmm. out of those states. And, and maybe to your point, so now they've got some more faculty in the prefrontal cortex to actually, you know, activate those higher brain functions mm-hmm. as opposed to being stuck in the limbic system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in that, in that, to be honest, like that's one of the, the big things we look at is the overall magnitude of these brainwave frequencies. So that, that was saying that point just from uh, what we see often is that often people have a prefrontal cortex that's really stuck in that delta stage sleep or delta stage, um, which is literally the same stage that we get to when we're stuck in de- or we're, when we're going into deep, deep sleep. So can imagine going through your day with a high delta brainwave and trying to like be productive or mm-hmm. connect to your partner and uh, not get hit under the table or whatever it is that's going on, you know, like it's hard to move through life when your brain is literally asleep. Mm-hmm. So then tell us about the other waves. And so what's theta? Yeah. So theta, I mean, what do you want to say? theta? Mm-hmm. Okay. So theta is your, your dream state. It's, it's usually more reflective of that REM state of sleep. And, you know, you mentioned that zero to eight, years of age that they, they call that sort of the the spongy years the years where we're just soaking up information and it's it's because we're more locked into this uh conditioning of how we're going to manage our environment like mm-hmm. how are we going to how does the family dynamics work like you know we're constantly learning so we're constantly observing we're in that recording state uh, of our life relaxed state too no 
I mean, does our does Soren seem like he's relaxed? Well, no, but it's it's in the brain. It's like it's it's where we want to go yeah. to sometimes in certain meditations, so that we can absorb and we can learn and we can deeply understand ourselves. So it makes sense that sure. from zero to eight we would be there because in order to receive information, the brain has to be open to it. Yeah, and just think about you know some people in in those years of their lives go through incredible incredible amount of trauma. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and so maybe they're like getting, you know, some of that, that pain or whatever is getting locked in a little bit deeper. And um, you mentioned something, Oh, let's go through the next stages of the mm-hmm. brain. And then we can talk about some other interesting things, but so that we've talked about Delta, your Delta rhythm is your deep state of sleep rhythm. Again, often it's activated, you know, high when in our waking brain, when it shouldn't be. And then we have theta, which is more that programming state that the sort of REM stage of sleep where a lot of subconscious work or programming or recording is happening mm-hmm. then we've got the alpha alpha rhythm mm-hmm. you can talk about that one yeah so the alpha the way i understand it it's it's a bridge between theta and beta beta being more of that action so this is just how i um see it when i see that that's the bridge i mean that's the one that i want to really develop because it can bring me into that state of like that meditative state of learning and receiving into action when I need to go there. So it helps me to adapt to the environment and to my surroundings so that I can participate in life, but also sit back and receive the gifts of it too. Mm. Yeah. I like that. So alpha is really that meditative space, mm-hmm. a space that you can develop through practice. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's probably, you know, more akin to that state of, of consciousness right before you get into the sleep. It might be the state of light sleep even, or uh, definitely like super calm meditative space, like the Shavasana at the end of yoga mm-hmm. class. Yes. Yeah. And then you've got beta mm-hmm. and then beta is your alert. It's, it's your get up and go. And again, it's so common where, where this beta is not really activated or people that are stuck in anxiety. It's almost like the beta is too active you know, in different parts of their brain. And so like that, that calmness or that, that, that putting down of the braking system isn't really working because the gas pedal is constantly down. And this is super interesting because when we see that overall cognitive function with that brain map, you know, sometimes people are stuck in depression. It's not because, um, it's not because uh, they don't have enough brain power that could be totally normal, but sometimes there's huge amount of inhibition, which could be coming from inflammation or something else. And then sometimes there's just really, really low power. And that's, and so helping people out of depression from the neurological point of view, sometimes is waking up the betas again. Mm. Um, so anyways, that's super interesting. Now there's a really cool rhythm that, that takes place between the alpha and the beta. And this is something that, you know, we do a lot of with uh, brain tap and some neurofeedback is it's a specific training protocol called sensory motor rhythm. And this is sort of that, that space between, and I think it's definitely connected to this alpha bridge as well. Um, but the sensory motor rhythm is, is essentially, it's like the cat who's super relaxed, chill, but ready to pounce at any, any mm-hmm. moment. And that's sort of like the cat rhythm. So we, we talk about that with our son, mm-hmm. you know, before he goes to play soccer, we'll put on the brain tap. And he'll be in this, we'll be putting on the sensory motor rhythm. So he's super calm, but then ready to, to, to react. Mm-hmm. You know, the alpha state is really no, more about like body, mind, everything's relaxed. But sensory motor rhythm is, is chill, 
with with a, a readiness for activity. I think what you said there was really important. Like we've been talking about, you know, somebody that's maybe had a stroke or um, inflammation in the brain because of a concussion, depression, anxiety, so that it still feels like it's this like um, reactive treatment, um, but really it could be such a preventative treatment. Mm -hmm. So this is something that we're utilizing with our kids by understanding where their strengths are in their brain or what parts need help, then we can help motivate them or we can help calm them as much as we can. I mean, they're kids, so they're not going to sit down always with our neurofeedback machine, but it can really give you insight into yourself of like, why is it that it takes so much for me to feel motivated through my day? Like, why can't I get that project done? Why do I procrastinate? Like there's often something going on in the brain where a part has just either shut down or it's overactive and it's just not finding its rhythm anymore. Mm -hmm. Totally. And so then we talked about beta too, right? Mm -hmm. So with that sort of stimulus, like get up and go state, it's, it's a really important state to get get things done. Obviously you, you want to be in beta when you're driving. However, mm -hmm. I think a lot of people move into that, maybe a sensory motor rhythm or then more the alpha state. And sometimes you can't really remember how you got from point A to point B. You know, so how many traffic accidents happen as a result of our brain not just being in, in the states that it needs to be in, yeah. in order to, to perform functions? Yeah. What about gamma? Yeah. Well, the next one actually is high beta, high beta gamma. So this is like high, high performance or extreme amount of stress. Uh, you know, I think of like athletes who are in the zone, you know, they might be in that high beta or gamma state. And, and that's where, you know, things just come easy. You're, you're, you're highly productive. You're, you're, you know, you're, you're in a high um, degree of reactivity based on what the environment's doing. So you would need that if you're performing, mm -hmm. right? And then there's some really interesting brain research on uh, some of the monks who do incredible, you know, lengthy hours of meditation where they're able to activate this super consciousness, which is that gamma lambda frequency, where they're tapping into some, some altered states by, you know, going into those really, really high brainwave activities. So everything is like goes from a slow rhythm to a faster, faster, faster rhythm, mm -hmm. which we took you from delta to theta to alphas to the mm -hmm. SMR to the beta, high beta, gamma, lambda. Mm -hmm. The way I see the gamma one is like, it helps you dream big and mm -hmm. like see the bigger picture of everything and not get locked in the, the details of life. But all of a sudden you're connected to the universe in a way where you can bring in into your life things that you want to manifest. Mm -hmm. I love that. So what, what, another tool that we have, uh, that we, since we've changed our clinic, we've shrunk it down. We, we it hasn't been sitting out and available for people as much, but it's the Ajna light. Mm -hmm. So do you want to talk a little bit about what you've experienced with that? Yeah. So that one, there's different programs on there that will stimulate the different wavelengths and what you're needing. And I remember um, my first experience just felt good. And then the second experience, maybe I'm getting this mixed up, but it actually triggered an old trauma and mm. not even on a conscious level, I felt fine afterwards, but it wasn't until you and I were talking and it showed up that um, it was triggering something. I just felt really weepy. And so I knew there was some deep subconscious healing that was happening. So it's one of those things where it's just, you start to recognize how deeply we have pushed different experiences um, into our subconscious brain that still show up in our everyday life through, you know, the various emotions that we might feel or the triggers that show up just on a daily basis, but we can't always put the two together. And I find when you do work on these wavelengths, it really helps to um, not have to do it from such a logical way and 
talk therapy, which, you know, can be supportive for many people, but it's just, it's just happening. And then your relationship to it starts to shift. Yeah. That, that's, that's awesome. So like, I think we, we don't realize how much we're getting, you know, we talked yeah, we had a, she had a podcast about hypnotherapy today, but how much we're getting hypnotized mm-hmm. by our environment. You know, you could be watching TV and it can put you into a theta state, or you could be watching TV and it's really stressful. It could be putting you into a beta state you know, and then you could be having an experience, whether through breath work or, you know, dream time or, or some of these technologies because of light flickering frequencies that get your brain to entrain, to move into that same rhythm and pattern, Mm -hmm. which, you know, when you're starting to send those alert electrical frequencies to different parts of your brain, you know, memory is, is, is sort of like, you know, I don't know if you, there's a physical location. I know that there's memory, short-term memory, long-term memory and stuff that, that is definitely that can be activated from different parts of the brain, but there's also this concept of mind. Mm. And when you, when you have an electrical frequency that's starting to, you know, interface with some of these very specific, you know, deep rooted centers of the brain, you're also, you know, it's also connected in some way to that that level of the emotional body or the mind that sort of had, is non-local. Mm-hmm. Well, right? all that all that information is coming from that space that the emotional yeah. body, then the hippocampus and the memory, and it's all kind of creating that experience in that moment. And that experience can be triggered by so many so many different things. And sometimes in that moment, we can't control what happens next within our emotional body. So doing this kind of training, it's like it just brings you out of that experience faster in a way where you can start to observe it kind of like that space we were talking about in our other podcasts, you know, between the stimulus and the response. I kind of feel like that's the, that's the alpha, mm-hmm. right? The alpha way when you start to practice that, that there is that bridge and there is that more of that space. So now you can really recognize where these old stories, these beliefs, these things are starting to show up. Yeah. You know, and I think when we, yeah, to your point, when you spend time there, you, you start to uncover things about yourself that you, mm-hmm. that you can't, you just can't do when we're in our do to do high beta or like the beta part of our brain. We don't have that reflective component mm-hmm. where we've really created space for introspection, inquiry and whatnot. You know, we just mm-hmm. kind of get stuck on the hamster wheel of life and move through a day. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if there's, if there's tools, which there are tools, just amazing tools to really support the development of the brain, but also neurogenesis and, um, you know, really retrain the brain into its natural state, which is to be calm, to be in a relaxed state, that sensory motor rhythm, but be able to move into action mm-hmm. when needed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, I'll just share my little experience I had last night. I went to go see my niece perform and mm. I grew up dancing and performing and teaching kids. And, you know, I was, having little moments of triggers of like, why, why did I stop? Like all these questions were coming up. And at the end, a song that I last performed with one of my best friends who passed away came up and I just started bawling my eyes out. My sister turns around. It's okay. You can dance again. (laughs) she, She thought it was because I was missing dancing. And, but because I was able to kind of recognize where my, why the trigger was there, I didn't step into that space of, deep grief that can kind of take over somebody's being like I was able I was definitely in a space of devastation for sure I don't know what you called it last night emotional something yeah something like that yeah and um but it's I think when you start to really practice and develop these wavelengths you can 
you can do that more in life. So that could be with like any trigger and we don't have to get so sucked into the emotion, but we can just talk to the emotion. Like it's okay. It's okay to feel this way right now. Cause I'm feeling this grief or this anger or whatever it is, but I can step out of it because I've practiced this and my brain is understanding that that's okay. That it's safe to do that now. Yeah. And so let's talk about some interesting criteria for that environment. So you're, you're there, so you're watching your niece who you just like, your heart oozes for and the fact that she's doing dancing is like so sonny was already in this elated state watching her little niece who's the cutest thing in the world dance on stage which was like she's only five she's only five mm -hmm. and like this is bringing up so much memory so just imagine sonny's brain she's in like alpha theta but also mixed with a little bit of beta because she has this excitement or maybe even some gamma so it's like it's never just one frequency mm -hmm. but it's all these different frequencies that created the soup of chemistry or this, this neurological input that created the soup of chemistry that then just, you know, triggered different aspects of her brain to like release chemicals and peptides to, to access some of these old memories and, and trauma. And like, so I just think it was so interesting that it required this, this environmental stimulus to really allow you to, to, to go in mm -hmm. and then, and then to reflect on, on what, what came out of that. Very cool. I'll just pause. <laughs> what are we pausing for? Getting teary-eyed, so okay. you can keep talking. Oh. Well, let's just, let's just, we can pause together. Okay. So, so the beautiful thing here is that, you know, we are constantly doing this. Like this is, it's not like a superpower, but it is sort of a super superpower that you can definitely develop and train and support in your life. Um, and, and I think just bringing a conversation to the fact that these brainwave states are constantly influencing us and we can either be at the whim of them, or we can actually retrain patterns that are super supportive for us. Why did you let me bring this example up? You, you kind of, you kind of <laughs> just went there on your own. I know. Yeah. Look at that. So Sonny was like real life experience getting into a memory. You're welcome. Yeah. Are, are you going to share something on this or is it? Oh, no, this is good. This is good. Okay. Yeah. So let's, let's bring it back to like, let's put a little, let's put a little bow on this mm -hmm. conversation. Yeah. So really what, what we're, what we're talking about here is that the brain has an incredible capacity to heal. Mm -hmm. um, there's neuroplasticity, there's different stimulus and, and there's ways of assessing where our brain is stuck. There's reasons for why we maybe aren't feeling well, or we're not moving past our trauma or depression or anxiety or insomnia. There can be uh, definitely uh, sticking points for us from a toxicity point of view, a food point of view, a behavioral point of view, but we can, we can look through the lens of, uh, uh, the neurological systems of the brain. And when we're stuck in, in our repetitive behavior, we probably have, you know, uh, too many cylinders firing, say in the beta range and not enough of the supportive nature. That's, that's, um, you know, like an orchestra happening, everything's happening together, but we can actually, you know, through training, through breath work, through, you know, neurofeedback, we can actually support a more balanced, uh, brain activity, which allows us to have more faculty when we're in a moment mm -hmm. so because this is all electric what's like the one thing people can do every single day that can help balance that out without the gadgets without everything else yeah i think grounding mm -hmm. you know uh getting your feet on the soil or the beach getting the the infrared 
a light from the sun, of course, you know, following a really good strategy of, of going to sleep on time and waking up at a particular time, having a breath work practice and something to tune into yourself in the morning so that you've, you've created, you're creating your day with your practice. Your day isn't controlling you as you move through your day. Um, because it's the hamster wheel really that we all get stuck on of the to-do list. And then we're just serving our life instead of us being, you know, the, on the driver's seat. Yeah. Perfect. So my answer was going to be nature. I, I did ask for one thing, but that's true. You did. <laughs> um, yeah. Nature, just because thinking of the electricity, right. And we're bombarded all day long, mm-hmm. um, especially if we're inside or we have our phones and we're on the computer, like that's our day. So imagine the influence that that electrical work is having on your brain. So really stepping out of that space is so important. So this is why like camping and making sure that you're getting outside and really um, honoring that relationship with nature so that the brain can really exhale because it's just on all the time. So what are we going to do in our days to help support this brain that's allowing every experience that we have to be stored and for us to experience it over and over again so um yeah what will you guys do today so maybe just um just a seed for you guys Mm -hmm. that was good you know and even just from that uh, emf point of view Mm -hmm. like our our brains are getting entrained anyways as a result of Mm -hmm. the chronic electrical stimulus or the you know staring of the screens and whatnot so yeah yeah great message thank you okay Okay. so sonia's gonna go do some journaling (laughs) and uh yeah and hopefully this stirred some some ideas in in your in your own brain your own mind uh to take some some control or or create some freedom in your life through through understanding these new principles Mm -hmm. and this paradigm of the brain can heal yeah i might actually just put the brain tap on and go into the enchanted forest okay All right. While she does that, I'm going to pick up the boys from school. Okay. Thanks for tuning in. Take care. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Health Ignited podcast. Be sure to download, subscribe, and share as we build this conscious community together. You can also find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and our website, drsjensen.com. Please note all information on this podcast is not and should not be taken as medical advice. Please see a healthcare professional to receive the care needed. Thank you for sharing this time with us, igniting your health freedom. And welcome to the tribe.